Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Leadership Lean In Podcast. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. I think you're going to love this episode. Hey, I first want to say thank you so much for everybody that subscribed, uh, writing comments. Hey, continue to write in questions. This next episode, I'm going to be answering some questions. So put down whatever, whatever you're going through as a leader, put some questions in, and right at the start of the next episode, we're going to answer some questions. But today... Also, I'm going to get to the top five in a little bit, but today I'm thrilled (laughs) because we have someone that's here today that is, I don't even know how to describe him because he's an author, he's a preacher, he's a filmmaker, and he's just a wonderful, wonderful person. Please put your hands together and welcome to the program. I can hear him in the background. Someone's on their couch and watching yeah. YouTube like this. <laughs> Devon Franklin's in the house. Oh, man, what's man, up, man? thank you so much for being Thanks here, Thanks for bro. having me, thank man. Thank you so Appreciate much. Appreciate it. Appreciate this it, This is so cool. We're right here in, I know. in your backyard. Man, look at this. Where, where do you live from here? Uh, West Hollywood. Yeah. Okay, yeah. The missus and I live in West Hollywood, there which is not that, not that far, but you know, we don't get up this high. And so it's amazing <laughs> to see right. uh, the city. You it's know? beautiful. It is. It, and on a, it's a clear day. Yeah. It's a clear day. So right. this is like, I'm like, man, I could sit here and chill all day. I like that you said <laughs> the missus. The missus and I, seven yeah. years married. Seven years in June. Where did you guys meet? Uh, we met um, when I was an executive at Sony. We met in a general meeting, actually. Wow. Yeah, she came in. Uh, I knew her manager very well. And so her manager was like, oh, you got to meet with Megan. And so we met, you know, talked about a few projects, but didn't, you know, wasn't anything uh, more than that. Very professional. Right. And then I made a film called Jumping the Broom. Mm. A romantic yeah. comedy, a marriage yeah. comedy. And uh, Megan play, was one of the stars of that film. And uh, so we started to have more of an in-depth friendship uh, during the making of that film. And then the premiere party was about nine months after the movie wrapped. And then that's when we started like, saying, oh, maybe there's something here. Yeah. And then a couple months after that, you know, started dating and uh, got married the next year and been together ever since. Wow. Yeah. So da- dating process was how long? How long did you guys date? Uh, we dated for a little over a year. Wow. Yeah. Great. And yeah. then... And it was like, hey, let's, let's 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 go. How did you how did you propose? Tell me that story because um, I feel like a man like yourself who is so deliberate and intentional <laughs> with everything he does, I I can just assume that the proposal was good. You know what? The proposal was honest. Let me put it that way. Uh, <laughs> Which is good. Good. I, the truth you know. about men is it's good. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't anything elaborate. Yeah. Uh, by any, but not at all. I mean, she was getting ready to go shoot a pilot. Okay. Uh, in New York. Mm. And uh, this was in March of 2012. Wow. And uh, she was getting ready to go shoot a pilot. uh, And literally, she was getting ready to fly out that day. And so I had just gotten the ring in uh, a few days before she was going to leave. And so I was racking my brain trying to figure out what am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And, um, And then a couple hours before she left, you know, I was over her house and I was like, oh man, I guess I better do this now, you know? And I was just nervous. <laughs> and I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know. Oh my goodness. Right. I think back and like, goodness, it was so, I was so embarrassed. I'm like, what? I mean, I could have done better than that anyway, literally. But she, she said was, yes. She said yes. I mean, literally in, in there, in her room, I just, wow. you know, pulled out the ring. She was like, what are you doing? She didn't, she was like totally wow. not expecting it. Yeah. So I pulled out the ring and, you know, said what I had to say and wow. asked her to marry me. And she's, he go, ah, you know, yes, started crying, you That's know, the amazing. whole thing. And then literally it was a mad dash for her to get ready to, we had to get to the airport. Right. I had to take her to the airport. She was about to miss her flight. Engaged in flying. Engaged in flying, <laughs> truly. And she got there and if she had not been engaged, 
they, uh, had just not gotten engaged. They probably yeah. wouldn't let her on the flight. Stop. Because we, we were like cutting it that close. So they were like, she's like, no, he's got engaged. Yeah, like, yeah. They were like, okay. Okay. All okay, right, okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Show me the ring. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, oh, he did well. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's not a fake. Okay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. So that's man, amazing. Yeah, it was great. It well, was great. And then it took us a couple months to plan the, the wedding and we got married that same year. Yeah. You know, I we, love it. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. And I want to say congratulations on, you know, everything. I want to jump into the books okay, great, and great. the truth yeah. about men, which yeah. I think is just such a needed Thank you. Uh, subject, especially for culture today. Yeah. Talk to me about the genesis of that and when that idea started, you know, coming to you going like, I, I need to speak on this. Yeah. And what did you discover as you were writing it going, most guys don't realize this is... Sure. Because I I, th I feel like the book does a great job talking to both audiences, female and male. Yes. So so t tell me the whole process of that. Sure. I think it's so genius. Yeah, you know, um, it was interesting. A couple of years ago, um, uh, I was at dinner. Um, some we go to church on Sabbath. So I was raised going to church on Sabbath. So after uh, church, mm. we'll have uh, Sabbath dinner at my aunt's house, and uh, so it's me and the family and a couple friends. We'll get together. And so this particular Sabbath dinner we were talking and I was just saying, you know, my theory about men mm. and our challenges and all that. Wow. And it started this conversation and everybody had an opinion and it was like, oh, you know, well, what are you saying? Da, da, da. Yeah. So I said, okay, this is interesting. I said, but I'm not gonna do anything with this. Yeah. I said, I just, this is, I mean, writing a book about men and what we need to do better. I said, yeah. I I'm not gonna do that. So I put it to the side, didn't think about it again mm. until I was promoting um, well, my third book, The Hollywood Commandments. Yep. And Maria Shriver was interviewing me. Yep. And after the interview, it was right around the time when the Harvey Weinstein yep. uh, scandal broke out. And she was asking me after the interview was over what my point of view is, yep. was on all of that. And in that moment, I didn't even, I wasn't even conscious that I was going back to that dinner, but I, mm. I just told her. All yeah. the concepts that I was revealing years before, I was saying, here's what's going on with men. Yeah. Here's the problem. Here's the yeah. challenges. Here's what we should do about it. Right. And then she stopped me and she said, you have to write the book, this book right now. Wow. I said, I'm not writing this book. Yeah. Like, Are you crazy? <laughs> I said, I'm not writing this book. She's yeah. like, no, no, you got to write this book yeah. right now. It's needed. Trust me. Yeah. So I said, thank you, Maria. Yeah. I, I appreciate you. Yeah. I love you dearly. I said, I'm not doing it. Right. So I left and I just couldn't get her voice out of my head. And the more that I, I thought about it, because I just released the Hollywood Commandments. I mean, literally right. the commandments came out in September and I was with Maria, I believe in October. And I'm like, yo, this is crazy. So yeah. I went home and I just said, okay, let me see. And I just sat down and I wrote about five pages. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I sent it to my book agent. I said, do you think anything's here? And my book agent said, listen, I don't know who wrote this, but I'm about to go sell it right now. Wow. And so what, what I was uh, uncovering and what I talked about is that uh, men don't know how to love mm. uh, because a lot of us don't love ourselves. Wow. So when we don't really love ourselves and we don't know how to love, it's hard to give love and receive love. Mm. And that's fundamentally the issue. Yeah. And then when I began to, to look at it, I said, well, what, what really gets in the way of love? Lust. Mm. And as I began to look at that, I also began to to use the metaphor. So forever, you know, we don't still don't know where it started, but there's this whole old age ad adage of our men dogs, mm. you know, and a lot of it has to do when people see our behavior, so on and so forth. Right. So I took that analogy and I said, well, no, we're not dogs. I said, but there's something in us mm -hmm. that if we don't get control, it controls us. Yeah. So, and I use the analogy in the, in this uh, proposal, which ultimately became the book that love is the master. Mm. Love is selfless. Um, you know, love Brilliant. of our 
ourselves, love of God, love Brilliant. of the woman in our life. Uh, when we practice mastery, when we become masters at life, we're 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 men that lead with love, that wow. consider someone else's well-being before our own. Wow. Uh, so love is selfless. Lust is selfish. Mm. Uh, in the book, I describe lust as a selfish impulse mm. for personal, professional, financial, or sexual fulfillment Jeez. by any means necessary, even if those means are detrimental. Jeez. And uh, I call that lust the mm. dog. So lust is selfish. It wants what it wants, whenever it wants it, however mm. it wants it. It wants pleasure without accountability or responsibility. Mm. And so as men, wow. we're basically taught to feed the lust and yeah. starve the love. We're basically cultivated and raised in a culture that yeah. says it's okay to feed the dog within. Don't worry about the master. You know, yeah, when you get married, don't worry, you'll learn how to love, which is just not true. Yeah. So what one of the reasons why I like that analogy so much is when I began to look at the world and why we've seen so many challenges with men, hmm. it's because men have given themselves over to lust. Wow. You know, and that's yeah. that's that's an oversimplification, but just in terms of understanding what we can do about it. Sure. So in the book, The Truth About Men, What Men and Women Need to Know, mm. I wrote this book for a number of reasons. Mm. The number one reason was, in addition to being obedient to what I believe God wanted me to do, is uh, I've seen so much pain in the eyes of women mm. uh, at the hands of us. Yep. You know, how we as men sometimes operate as if we're the center of the universe. It's our way or no way. Mm. Uh, just because we're this gender, it, we sometimes behave as if that right. means we're we're in control, we're in sure. charge, and if you don't get with my program, then get out. Yep. And there have been so many men who've said one thing and done another, mm. and many times, in my experience, women are left to pick up the pieces. And so because I've seen so much pain in the eyes of women, I said, you know, I've got to do something as wow. a man. And then also when you look at, you know, our cultures of faith, mm. I feel like this is an area where we are failing this generation. Yeah. We are not talking and telling the truth. Mm. The word says the truth will set us free. Right. That truth can be applied in many different instances, I believe. And what happens is that we can talk about, you know, spiritual gifts and being saved, saved by faith with the Holy Ghost. Okay, all that's cool. Talk about what it means to be holy. Okay, all that's great, has its place. Yep. But what happens is we are not preparing men and women to deal with the flesh. Wow. You're holy. Yeah. What happens when you're horny? They, there you go. How do you deal with that? Right. And there's, let's get, let's get real. And, and then what happens is that we are all then just left to fend for ourselves. Right. And also in our mm. cultures and communities of faith, we're suppressing we're not talking. Sure. So you go to church. Oh, how God's good. Praise God. That's right. All the time. All the time. God's good. You know, and and if and the thing about it is all that's fine. And I'm not saying that's anything wrong. But what right, happens right. is people say, okay, I have to present when I come into a community of faith. Hmm. I can't be who I am. And, and better yet, I can't express what I'm really going through. Sure, sure. I, you know, I'm struggling in this area. I don't know how to handle my urges. And I don't know I, the consequences to me being honest. There you go. It, there you go. That's the next step. Because then a lot of times in communities of faith, it's like, oh, if you're honest, well, we're going to sit you down. You're out. You're, you're out. Yep. Sorry, you can't. No, you can't struggle. Yep. And if you do struggle, you better keep it quiet. Yep. So then right. why are we seeing so many churches, so many leaders falling? It's it's not because those leaders are bad people. No. It's because we have no. a culture sure. of suppression sure. and denial. I agree. And until we start to be honest and say, hey, we all struggle, mm. 
and, and, and until we start to talk about how we can deal with that struggle, mm. we're going to continue to foster a culture of suppression. Right. Anything we suppress, we empower. Anything that we suppress, we empower to destroy us. We can't just say, oh, I don't. That is a lie. It's, it's the truth. Yeah. We can't just say, Powerful. oh, you know, I'm saved. Yeah. I don't have lust. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Really? Uh -huh. Right. <laughs> oh, so you're not human. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, Paul even talks, talks yeah. about, you know, Lord, yeah. uh, we wrestle between the spirit yeah. and the flesh and the things I don't want to do, I do. And yeah. I don't know why. And Lord, take this thorn out of yeah. me. No, I'm not going to take it. You have grace is sufficient for thee. Right. How do we live with the thorn? Yeah, that's it. Because you have to, I remember a pastor telling me one time, he said a guy walked up to him. Is a guy that's an author on a, a, a book about purity. Said a guy walked up to him and said, Pastor, pray that God takes away my lust. He said, No, I will not. That's from that love, that desire yeah. is from God. You gotta you learn how to use that it. You, you exactly. Gotta, you learn not to, to, exactly. to give to the wrong. There you go. And, right? and I talk about that in the book. You have to, we have to learn how to channel that energy. That's it. We have to learn how, because what happens is the culture says for men, um, here's the box. If you are a man, you're strong, yep. you take charge, you have all the answers, right. you make money, right. uh, you date many women, you have a lot of sex, you like sports. As men, none of us fit that box. But what <laughs> happens as we, get, right. as we grow in adolescence, sure. if we exhibit something that doesn't fit the box, mm. most of the time we're met with violence. Yep. Stop crying. Wow. Stop being a wimp. What's wrong with you? Mm. So what do we learn? Suppress. Yep. Don't talk. Do whatever we can to survive to fit the box. Mm. Because in the box, there's acceptance. But at what cost? Jeez. The cost of who we really are. Yep. And not only that, when that when we're suppressing, what do we turn to? Lust. Mm. Lust becomes the outlet to deal with the pressure of the box. Wow. And we live in a culture that profits off of us as men giving into lust. Everywhere we turn. If we could look at all the billboards down there, everywhere we turn. Jeez. So if there's no strategy mm. to learn how to become a master, wow, we're going to fail. Yeah, sure. Now, some will fail publicly. Others will yeah. fail privately. But there's, if there's no plan, yeah. it leads wow. us to fail. So I wanted to write this book. Again, I'm just one person. And I yeah. write this book not from a standpoint. I think that too often, yes, physically in a um, in church, yep. the pulpit is elevated from the pew. Mm. Psychologically, a lot of people in the pew view those on the pulpit as on a different level. Yep, it's not true. No. So I wrote this book to wow. level out the pulpit and the pew. That's great. To say, yeah, you may know me in the public, you may know me as a leader, but mm. here's what I want you to know. That just because I'm a leader, I have not mastered this. I work on it every day. Yeah. I have a master in me. I have a dog in me. And if I don't realize that, wow. then I then I'm gonna fall. I will fall. Wow. Because if I sit here before you, oh, I I have all this figured out. Oh, really? Go ahead and and go ahead and Start your watch. Yeah. Because you're gonna it's gonna you're gonna be able to see, okay, in a few minutes I'm gonna fall. Yeah. Why? Because I'm not being honest. Yeah. And so I wanted to write this book to say, wow. uh, here's how we can do it. Yeah. You know, here's how we learn to lead in love. Yeah. Here's how we manage our urges. Mm. Here's how we start talking more openly. Wow. I have a whole I have a whole chapter in there That's about amazing. uh communication and relationships. Because a lot of times, especially when you're in marriage, sometimes you can find yourself in a relationship, you're the least honest with the person you're with. Yeah. You're more honest with people outside. Wow. 
And then we wonder why marriages are not working. Right. Because we're not talking. Right. And we got to be able to have hard conversations wow. in love. Wow. But t- sometimes like, well, I don't want to start an argument. Yeah. I don't, so I'm going to hold on to my truth. Yeah. Well, the percentage of the truth that we that cannot be in the marriage yeah. is the percentage that is a liability for someone else to come in. Jeez. So if I can't be 100% in marriage, that, let's say I can only be 70% because yeah. my spouse yeah. can only accept that. Yeah. That 30% mm. is a liability. Why? Because there's going to be great somebody thought. that's going to come up. That's right. You could inadvertently have a yeah. conversation. Yeah. And you're like, hmm, why that conversation feels so good? Yeah, yeah. I don't have any desire for anybody else. Right. But because I can't be fully truthful. Wow. We search for a place where we can just, wow. oh, I can just be accepted. I can just be truthful. And when we can't do that in a relationship, mm. it's a detriment to the relationship. So there's a lot of stuff I oh, put in the book. amazing. For men, for women, for singles, for married uh, folks, for people in relationships. Yeah. All with the goal of getting us to come together, not talk with one another, talk not talk at one another, talk with one another. Mm. And to begin to deal with this truth yep. of how do we live in spirit and flesh. It's beautiful. And not allow the flesh to win. It's beautiful. But still be who God has called us to be. Wow. It's amazing. You know, when, when there's something about when a man gets really touched, moved by the Holy spirit, starts to repent. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, promise keepers and that movement. Sure. I'm in 1996. I'm a pastor's kid, but I really got saved. Yeah. Like save, save at Promise Keepers. Wow. And so my life was very impacted by Bill McCartney and that ministry. Yep. And then I remember again another wave of Wild at Heart. Yeah. And that whole yeah. movement. And there's something about when 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 guys start to get vulnerable and honest. And yes. it's like, come on, man, we're all we're yeah. all on a journey. Yes. Like let's just let's let's get it out. And I That's love right. these thoughts and the tools that you've given people. I remember right after Maria gave you that idea. Yeah. She had this idea. I think she wanted to do like you and myself and Judah and a couple other people to do a panel about guys. She was really, after the Harvey Weinstein stuff, she was wow. really, really worried about her boys. Yeah, yeah. And men in our culture. And I remember her, she's talking to Matt Lauer a lot in that yeah. time. And I remember her saying, I just talked to Devon and, and this book. And so now <laughs> to see it out, I was like, I remember the yeah. dog and the whole thing. Yeah. So thank you for of the course. diligence of that and yeah. the study and putting it out in culture, every person needs to read this book, male or female. That's right. That's right. Because a lot of times, for especially for women, and why I wrote this book for men, for women as well as men, yeah. is that uh, I don't believe you can be successful with something you don't understand. And right. most women don't understand us. Right. They don't understand us. And, and I wanted to write this book so, so that they can have understanding. Why that's helpful for women, yeah. whether single or married. So let's stay with the single woman. Yeah. This book now gives understanding for who they're dealing with. So they can understand, oh, I'm dealing with the man who's leading with the dog, right? Like, oh, okay, got it. Right, this is just a cheat code online, by the way. It is, it truly is, it truly is. I actually, uh, this woman gave me a a true testimony. That's what she called it. She said she was dating a guy, she read the book. Yep. It really inspired her. On the first date, the guy wanted to pray with her. She's like, oh man, the master. (laughs) <laughs> All right. She said, by the third date, he wanted to go from praying to playing. Yeah. yeah. And she said, oh, I see the dog. the dog. There who, you go. Who let the dogs out? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and she said, it, before wow. reading the book, she would have been upset. She'd have been offended. She'd have been mad. She said, but we give, now that she had the information, wow. she said, oh, this is not a reflection on me. This is, this is, he's revealing what his intent Where is. Where he's at. 
So I'm going to move away from him. Yeah. And I'm going to do it with my, you know, spirit intact. Yeah. I'm going to do it with my mind intact. Wow. And it's not a reflection on me. It's a reflection on him. Jeez. And she said, thank you for writing it because it has empowered me wow. in my decision making, especially relative to dating. So wow. I thought that was awesome. So great. And so many other women have given me different testimonies. And with, for married women. Wow. One of the things I put in there is I said, listen, uh, I do. When you say I do, when a man says I do, it's not a magic wand. It doesn't put the dog to sleep. No. I wish that it did. Right. I wish I could tell you. Sure. That when a man falls in love. Right. All desire for all the things. And again, mon- uh, lust is more than just for women or sex. It's mm. money, power, mm. fame, success, all these different things. I wish that that saying I do put it all to sleep. You have to right. worry about it. It's not true. Right. And so sometimes women, if they don't understand what's really going on inside of us, mm. they'll take it personally. Right. Like, oh, well, I don't understand. Well, why do you feel this way? It's not personal. It's it's like, yo, this thing is in us. Mm. And one of the ways to manage it is to be able to be honest with the person you're in the marriage with. Yep. And this is why I have a whole chapter in this book called Create a Safe Space. Mm. We have to have safe spaces where we can talk. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's a space where you don't judge right. what is said. Right. You use I statements. Mm. And it doesn't have to be a bunch of people. It could be one other person. Yeah. And ideally, your marriage should be a safe space if you're married. Yeah. I say to for women, I say in this book, you're for men, we need to work on being honest. Mm. In a marriage, when a man chooses to be honest and he's working at it, he's being vulnerable, the worst thing that his wife can do is to make him feel less than in those moments when he's vulnerable. Right. Even if she may not know how to handle what he's saying, right. Don't vilify him. Because if you do, it may be the last time he decides That's to be honest. Day. He can be quiet for a long time. For a long time. time. Now, so I say in the book, you know, you may hear, your husband may say some stuff. You don't know how to deal with it. Mm. I say, okay, just, just say, okay, listen. Right. Okay, baby. I'm going to come back to you on this. Right? Yeah, yeah, You yeah. may have to go in the car and yell, whatever. Sure, it's sure. okay. But, but what we're working on is when there is that honesty and the transparency in the wow. marriage, everything goes to another level. And so I wrote the That's book amazing. to give women information and, and also to give men a strategy. It's so awesome. So this is cool because, you know, you just put out, the Hollywood Commandments, which is one of the coolest titles <laughs> ever. I mean, you, you can't find a better title than that. So you just, and then you, you work on this project. Go, go back for me yeah. and talk to me about the Hollywood Commandments because yeah. I want to hear more about that. Sure. When I saw that title, I go, that, I mean, because, you know, we're right here as well. Yeah. And you want it, you want it, um, this city's tricky. I'm from Seattle. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so I'm still, yeah. I, I want to be a student of it. And I want to be a student of how do you really reach and impact sure. this area. So talking about the process of of that book and what you were trying to communicate there as well. Yeah, you know, um, so with the Hollywood Commandments, what inspired me was the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Mm. And so when you go back to Daniel chapter 1, um, uh, Babylon, you mm-hmm. know, has conquered um, Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Nebuchadnezzar says, you know, look, I want some interns from <laughs> from Israel. Right, right, right. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are, are chosen. Yep. And uh, so as a part of the internship uh, program, after three years, those that are the best will enter into the king's service. So they'll right. basically get a job. One of the requirements of the internship was to eat the king's diet. Right. Which was, you know, meat and wine and so on and so forth. And so Daniel and the Hebrew boy said, um, we don't do that. Yep. You know, and they first went to their, you know, the, like the the immediate uh, the guard guard over them. And the guy was like, they went to their supervisor who mm. had favor over them. And he was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that because if this doesn't work out, it's going to fall on me. Yeah. And then they went to the guard that was over them and they said, listen, 
just give us 10 days to show you that we can eat the king's diet. We can eat our diet and be better than any other intern. He said, okay. So he gave him the 10 days. They ate according to their diet, right. you know, fruit and water, yep. so on and so forth. And they were superior. And so they were allowed to keep their diet until the end of the internship. Yeah. At the end of the internship, when they're brought before King Nebuchadnezzar, they were far superior than anyone else in the internship program. Right. And as a result, they were entered into the king's service. Mm. When you fast forward, you have the story of the, the, the furnace mm -hmm. and, the, you know, and the, the lion's den. What's interesting at all of those touch points it ends in promotion. See, because we were raised in a culture that says, especially with Hollywood, you know, whenever I told people as a, as a kid, I wanted to go into Hollywood, mm. they'd be like, oh, you can't go. It's Sodom and Gomorrah. It's the devil's yeah, playground. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I would hear countless sermons, you know, God's calling people out of that industry and all this kind of stuff. What's fascinating about Babylon, Babylon was the most secular, you know, culture sure. um, on the planet at that time. And every time they honored him, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego honored God. He didn't take them out. He promoted them further, higher, and deeper into a secular environment. Wow. And never once do you hear God condemn the fact that they're in that secular environment. Right. As a matter of fact, he's like, right. I'm going to push you further in the secular wow. environment, higher wow. in the secular environment because you've honored me. So I just said, okay, maybe we have... Mm. You know, it, listen, in our in our good intention of trying to yeah, create yeah. the line between the sure, secular and the sure. spiritual, maybe we've done people a disservice mm -hmm. because we have we have basically demonized the yeah. secular um, in a way that I don't know is always scripturally consistent. Sure. So I wanted to write a book to say, listen, I've been in a secular environment uh, for 20 years. I've been in Hollywood for 20 years. I started when I was 18 as an intern for Will Smith. And I've learned a lot of things. And so the Hollywood commandments is a spiritual guide for secular success. Wow. You know, it's about, okay, if you are a believer, here's how you can go into yeah. a secular environment and be successful while still maintaining your faith. Great. Uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't have to exchange their faith Great. for elevation and advancement. Great. As a matter of fact, they held on to their faith, but they did something else that is so critical that I mm. see missing, especially in the younger generation of people of faith. Mm. The Bible says faith without works is dead. Again, it's one thing to have the faith part down. Right. But if you don't have the works, it's not going to work. Right. And I see so many people in this younger generation that want to pray their way into excellence. Right. Right. It doesn't work that no. way. I have a whole chapter in the book called Your Prayers Alone Are Not Enough. Mm. What I mean by that, I don't mean that prayer doesn't work. Of course prayer works. Mm. But so often what I see in this younger generation, mm. of, of especially the younger generation of faith. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to pray, you know, that God's going to do this. And I said, that's cool. But let's talk about your work. Mm. What are you really passionate about? Yeah. Are you studying to show yourself approved? Right. What time are you getting into work? Right. How are you handling your studies if you're in school? Right. Are you excellent at what you're doing in your work? Because mm. you can pray all day long. Yep. But your, your laziness, your procrastination right. can right. cancel out your prayers. God may have said, yeah, your prayers answered is until you, you won't know it until you work for it. Right. So I wrote this book to show that here's how we do it. Mm. Here's how we specifically as people of faith can it's maintain beautiful. our faith. It's beautiful. And elevate. Yeah by learning the power of service. I have a whole chapter called, you have to carry a crown before you wear one. Mm. 
Everybody wants the crown. No one yep. wants, you got to serve. Wow. You got to serve. And I talk about, you know, listen, I started as an intern for Wilson. Right. I worked for him for, you know, for four years. I worked mm. for his manager for two years. Great. Uh, I was, when I went to Sony Pictures as an executive, uh, I over, I was one of the executives that worked on his account. Wow. So I, you know, served him, uh, you know, from everything from Pursuit of Happiness to Hancock to Seven Pounds. Wow. To, wow. Uh, After Earth, sorry, that didn't go so well. <laughs> <laughs> kind of trails off there you a go. bit. Yeah, you know. We worked, uh, we karate Kid, on, though. We, we, it went like this. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Yeah, yeah. And then we did. So, After uh, Earth, yeah, yeah. Kid, yeah. You know, but <laughs> be that as it may. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, you know, before I could run my own company, I had to serve. Sure. You know, um, uh, Michael Linton, when I was at Sony, made a deal with T.D. Jakes mm. um, to make movies. And so, you know, I understood him. I understood yeah. his message. Right. I understood Hollywood. So I was there as the executive Great. for Sony helping translate and serve him to get him started in the movie business. Amazing. So before I can go and say, hey, I'm going to have my own company in Franklin sure. Entertainment, I had to put in, you know, 18 yeah. years of service. Sure. And everybody now, they just want it fast. Right. You know, I want it now. If it doesn't happen, oh my goodness, I'm not, I'm a failure. I'm going right. to miss it. I'm going to quit. And I'm like, wait a minute. You got to, you got to slow down. That's it. You know, I mean, this whole Instagram selfie, instant generation, instant gratification. Truthfully, anything you get, that you didn't work for, mm. you, you're going to lose it. Yep. It's going. You don't know how to handle it. You, you don't know how to, you, not, yeah. only do, not only do you not have the competency, yeah. because you don't actually have enough work in yeah. that area to know what to do with it. You don't have the character to handle yeah, it. Yeah, that's it. You don't have the integrity to handle yeah. it. Yeah. Period. You don't have the perspective. You yep. don't have the maturity. Right. And so I wrote this book as a way to say, here's how you do it. That's so awesome. Step by step. Here's how you do it. One of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 78 when it says, and he chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds mm. and, and brought him to shepherd Jacob, his inheritance. It says that when he got here, he shepherded Israel with the integrity of his heart and the skillfulness of his hands. There it is. Well, where did he get integrity? Yep. Where did he get such skill? There you go. In the sheepfolds. There it is. And it, so in one day he went from sheep to millions. Mm. But you got to have your sheep. You, you got to have the no you lights, do. no camera, no and, nothing. And to that point about David, and I talk about this in the book, and it's something that I'm working on too. Because hmm. when I read it, I'm like, oh, God, I don't know. How, I mean, David, my goodness. So, so you know, he's anointed yep. king. Uh, you know, and what's interesting is that he's anointed, and, he, and then he's basically sent right back to, to the <laughs> right, sheep. Right, right. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah, Wait, what? the oil <laughs> fell on you, but okay, um, all right, get back, right? Okay, never, right. never once do you hear David saying, when am I going to be king? Like, what's up? The oil fell, whatever. Okay, I'm going to go back to serving. When he went Beautiful. to the battlefield to deliver, yep. you know, uh, the, the the rations yeah. for his brothers, right. he wasn't going thinking, oh, how am I going to go beat Goliath? No. Yeah. What prompted him to act? He was upset mm. about this guy mm. offending sure. God and, and his, his sure. people. Yeah. How can we allow this to happen? Yeah. It was his passion yeah. that ultimately activated and was a catalyst for his purpose. Mm. Never once did he say, God, why are you not delivering yeah. me in my throne? Mm. Nothing. It was never a pursuit yep. of the, it was never a pursuit of the promise. Yep. But we're in a culture now. Oh man. Where it's all, it's only a it's pursuit. It's only a pursuit. That's it. It's only a pursuit. That's it. I'm trying to go after this. I'm trying to get this get done. Mine. I'm trying to do that. We've lost service. Yep. As people that great. follow the greatest service leader this world's ever known. Right. As Christians, 
we should be servicers. I love that. That's what we're that's what we're here to do. We're supposed to service mm. and serve. Mm. And that's one of the reasons why I wrote this book because I've been blessed with a lot of great experiences. I've worked with some of the most influential people in the world. Right. I feel honored and blessed and humbled by that. Mm. But it's not just for me. Right. I wanted to write this book to share. I love it. Here's what I know at this juncture. Yep. I'm learning. Sure. Here's what I know right now. And I believe if anyone applies it, they will find similar success. It's amazing. I want to talk about, you know, again, you're an author, yeah. which uh, these two books are unbelievable, like <laughs> truly you. unbelievable. You're a filmmaker. Yeah. And have an incredible experience there. And then you're this fired up, fiery <laughs> preacher. And I, I look at you um, and I just... I think it's the coolest thing in the world. I just, <laughs> you break all the rules right. because, you know, most, just from a church standpoint, yeah, most yeah. people would say historically, choose, man, you yeah. need to choose. Yeah. Are you one, are you one or the other? Right. But how are you, and hearing the, the, the backdrop of, you know, the Hollywood commandments helps me understand yeah. your mindset, yeah. but, but talk to me about you and what age were you? How did you discover I can do it. I can do it all mm -hmm. in terms of I don't have to limit the calling on my life. I don't have to. Most leaders are like, I've got to do business. I've got to do ministry. This has been the, the traditional wrestle. Sure. Marketplace uh -huh. or ministry movies mm -hmm. or preacher. But you can't do both. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I, I love you because I feel like you're breaking the mold yeah. of going yeah. like, you could be an entrepreneur yeah. and you can be a preacher. How do you, and do you, and answer this please as well. Do you ever feel the tension of like, oh, one's winning or is it just hmm. grace? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, um, I'll answer the question by going back a little bit because it was certainly something that was uh, organic. Hmm. So um, I knew I wanted to go to Hollywood, you know, at a very early age. You know, my father died when I was nine years old. Hmm. He died of a heart attack when he was 36. Yeah. Um, you know, and so he left, you know, me and my brothers to be raised by my mother. And then my grandmother helped out and my grandmother's seven sisters. Uh, we didn't have enough money for therapy or anything like that. So it was basically movies and going to church mm. and basically entertainment. Sure. I, I love television, too. So sure. watching entertainment, whether it was, you know, a different world or yeah. Rocky or Back to the Future. Right. Uh, and going to church, that combination wow. really helped me navigate sure. uh, the the tragedy of losing my father. Yeah. So my the same year my father died, my uncle started a church. Uh, he was in a Seventh Adventist minister. He started a church in Oakland, in East Oakland. Wow. An independent church. Great. So that same year um, that my father my father died in February of 1998. And my uncle started the church in September of 98. And uh, and so that gave me a really positive outlet to kind of, you know, explore my gifts and have something positive to yeah. put my energy in. Long story short, 15 years old, they were doing a second youth day and they, they say to me, hey, you're going to speak. And I was like, oh, OK, cool, whatever, no big deal. Because I was pretty outspoken. I was involved in student right, government right, right, and so right. on and so forth. And um, Les Brown, who's a famous, you know, motivational speaker, he had a book uh, at that time called Live Your Dreams. Mm. And for that first sermon, man, I probably quoted more from that than from scripture. And less since. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> anyway, so I, I preached and it went really well. And everyone kept saying, wow. oh, you you know, this is your gift. This is your calling. You got to go into ministry. Oh my goodness, you're amazing. I said, nope. Mm. I said, I'm going to Hollywood. 
Yeah. So I didn't want to hear it. And wow. they would tell me, oh, you can run, but you can't hide. And I said, well, I'm running really fast because I don't want to do that. Right. Uh, and so um, 18 years old, came around. I applied to USC, got into USC, came down to um, uh, to intern. I mean, went to school. I mean, to do a business major in film minor. But then I also wanted wow. to get an internship. And so in that internship interview, I put in my resume to become an intern at Will Smith's, the company that managed him. Mm. So I go in there. They call me in for an internship interview that freshman year. And we're talking and they asked me why I want to be in entertainment. I said, I want to make change in the world because I believe entertainment is one of the most powerful mediums in the world. And they were, they were like, oh, cool, great. And by the end of the interview, they said, is there anything else you want us to know? And in that moment, I told them, I said, well, listen, I observe the Sabbath. Hmm. So if taking this internship would require me to work on the Sabbath, I'm not going to take it. Wow. And they were kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, well, all right. They had never heard anything like that. <laughs> right. But they were like, all right, cool, no problem. No problem. So we will work around that. Wow. So I got the internship, did the internship in addition to my full-time class load. Uh, did that for four years, observed the Sabbath the whole time. When I graduated, um, I became an assistant at Will's company for his producing partner. That same year that I graduated and took that job as an assistant working for Will's uh, producing partner, my uncle from the church called. And he said, hey, you know, I'm getting older. Can you come up once a month to preach for me? And I was like, man, I don't want to do this. Yeah. This is, not, you know, I, but he had been so influential in my life. Right. I said, fine, I'll do it. So I just started doing it. Wow. Didn't think anything of it. I'd do it. Lo and behold, people at the office at Will's company started finding out. They started saying, well, hey, man, I hear you're a preacher. I'm like, how you find out I'm a preacher? Yeah. And so they started coming for Bible study. We would do Bible wow. studies during lunch. They would come to me for prayer. You know, Will would come in the office. Even to this day, he'll be like, hey, what's up, preacher? What's up, Rev? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... All of that just started to converge. And so I was like, wow. oh, man, well, all right. Well, I guess I just keep going. And so as I kept going, Jeez. I began to realize, oh, this is interesting. Hmm. The preaching thing is not taking me away from movies. It's actually making me more distinct. That's awesome. Because I have a chapter in the Hollywood Commandments. Your difference is your destiny. Hmm. What makes us different? is ultimately what will take us on the path. It's hard yep, because none of us like to be different. Right. We, we, we want to sand down the edges of our difference so that we can conform because wow. it's more comfortable to conform. It's, it's more great. painful to be different. It's great. But that difference, that mm. pain, God uses to push us into purpose. It's beautiful. And so for me, I was like, okay, I guess I got to just keep doing this. Mm. And I didn't realize that in the industry where many people, morality sometimes can be right. um, optional, you know, uh, here I am saying, no, uh, my faith is important to me and I am going to preach and I'm still going to pursue this. And that just, people began to know that. And so every job I took going from intern to working for MGM to ultimately working for Sony, it was always something that I did. Wow. So it was never, it was never like, oh, I'm going to be over here. I'm going to be over there. But here was the one thing that was critical as the preaching started to evolve, as, you know, me going further in entertainment started to happen. I had to mentally understand how they fit together. And what I began to realize is that, oh, okay, I'm put on this earth to inspire. Yeah. I'm put on this earth to motivate and to bring hope. Mm. God will, is, will use different gifts within me to do that one objective. Right. So making movies is one way to do that. Preaching is one way. Mm. Authoring is one. Writing is one right. way. You know, uh, being on social media is one way, but it's the same wheel. Wow. Different spokes. I same love wheel. that. If I hadn't understood mentally yep. 
I think it would have been, it would be hard. Sure. But for me, I'm like, oh, got it. The intent is the same. Yep. When I'm working on a sermon, yep. how is this going to move the person in the pew to think differently, Beautiful. to motivate them in a way they otherwise weren't motivated, yeah. to inform them in yeah. a way they otherwise may not have been sure. informed, and then to begin to apply yep. that knowledge in a way that's going to improve their life. When I'm making a movie, same thing. Right. Okay. The person that's coming in the theater, what's going to be their experience when they see this character on screen? Wow. What's going to be their experience when they watch this film? So it was the same thing when, when I'm writing a book. How's this person going to be moved, inspired, informed, so mm. on and so So I have the same thought process, even though I'm applying it to different yep. mediums. I love that. Um, and to your point about balance, you know, there, there have been times, so I hate to be long-winded. No, no, um, I love it. I love everything uh, okay, that you're okay. saying, so, truly. So there was a, a time where I got caught thinking of myself kind of in the executive box when I was an executive for Sony. And what began to happen is that certain things that I were expecting to happen in my career did not happen. And when those certain things like promotion at certain times mm -hmm. and certain opportunities, I feel like I got overlooked. And when that began to happen, I be, it was almost like a message from God, a hard lesson, which is if I allow some of these things to happen that you're mm. wanting to happen, you're going to go in this direction at the expense of where I really want Jeez. you to be. So I have to hold back some of this success, mm. especially in the film part of it, so that you don't get so far down that road yep. that you're never no going to hear back. me. There's yeah. no coming back. So it's almost it's like, great. you know, God is there and I'm the horse and he's the, it's the yeah. reins, you know, just like trying to keep me on track so that wherever he wants me to, whatever yeah. he wants me to do, I can stay focused. Yeah. So what happened was in that first, I wrote my first book was Produced by Faith. Um, I wrote that book. Basically, it was about, you know, how you can be successful without losing your faith. And so I wrote it and uh, this agent called me uh, about a movie said thing. I didn't call the agent right back. Long story short, when I got the agent on the phone, she said, you can't afford to call me back this late because she was a very senior agent. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, you're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah. So I was like, oh, my goodness, what did I do? So I sent her an <laughs> apology gift. Yeah. Uh, which had some Sony products and uh, the my book produced by yeah. Faith. She calls me a little while later and she she said, yo, I read your book. I think it's amazing. I think you should be doing something with Oprah. I'm like, okay, fine. So she sends Oprah my book. Uh, her, no, she sends Oprah's agent my book. Eventually I end up meeting with Oprah. I have a, you know, hour, you know, hour long Jeez. meeting with Oprah. It goes great. Right. She's like, I want you to come do Super Soul Sunday. I went and did Super Soul Sunday. And that began this relationship with Oprah. Now here, here's the, the point I'm making, which is this. Again, I'm thinking like, okay, I'm an executive that wrote a book. In my time with her, she basically said in so many words, like, I can't tell you who you are. Mm. You, you're going to have to go on a journey where you figure out who you are. But basically, like, if you only think of yourself as an executive, you're going to miss what God is doing. Jeez. And so that message was so strong wow. that I said, okay, if I don't think of myself as an executive, then who am I? Mm. And there is where I think so many of us miss it. We don't think of ourselves as who we are. Wow. We think of ourselves as who we what we do. That's it. We find our identity and our title mm. and how people know. Independent of a title, most of us sometimes don't even know who we are. Yeah. You know, and so what God was saying is, you're not a title, you, you're, you're divine. You're so divine. Good. You, so great. You don't find your identity in in what what other people call you or what you it's even brilliant. call yourself. Yeah. 
Because, so you mean if you don't have that title, you don't have those gifts right. anymore? So, right. So if you no longer have the title of executive, does that mean you don't have the talent anymore? Mm. No, you still have the talent, you still have the gifts. That's it. So through the message from Oprah and so many other people, it's what got me to lean into just being who I am. Yeah. Okay, let me lean in, let me be who I am, yep. and let me apply who I am to different things. It's awesome. Preaching, writing, movies, whatever. Now, it is hard from the standpoint that I have to listen to him. Sure. About what's important in any given moment. Yep. What imitations should I accept? Mm. Which one should I not? Mm. You know, what movie should I do? Which one should I not? Right. You know, I have to consist because if each each one individual is a full career. Right. You know what right, I mean? Like right. I get that. Exactly. I totally get it. And I know it's crazy. So for me, if I'm blending the the three and whatever, yeah. you know, it's just like, okay, God, you have to just show me how you want me to do it. Yeah. And I stay sensitive to the spirit. It's awesome. That's a long answer. No, it's so good. <laughs> and I and but but and I hope everyone's really understanding what you're saying because that is so liberating. It's not you're not limited to what you do. It's no. who you are. Yes. And for you to go on that journey, I'm grateful that you did because I feel like you can now appropriately put your energy towards whatever comes your way. Who it could be bigger than these three right now. And, and, and not even just for me. Yes, it could be bigger than this three. These three. And, and so I'm open to whatever God wants. Sure. But but for even someone watching or listening. Yeah especially when you're talking about ministry leaders. Yes. And this is going to sound crazy. And this is going to sound crazy. <laughs> but don't let the title of pastor limit you. Yeah. Right. Don't. Sure. Don't. It 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 it, it doesn't it's like you can we there's so many things God God wants to do. Right. Through leaders. Yep. Period. Right. But if you only think of yourself as oh this like you said ministry or marketplace. Well, where where is that biblical? Right. It's not. Right. You know, God is going to use people in ministry and marketplace. People, he's going to use people in the marketplace and ministry. It's awesome. Why not be open? Yep. The Bible says a man's or woman's gifts will make room for them. Yep. Those, it's, it's not gifts subject to title. No. Gifts. Yeah, yeah. You're right. So why not explore it's awesome. the gifts? But here's also a challenge and a caution. Mm. And it's easier for me to do what I'm getting ready to say do. Yep. Okay, because I don't have a congregation that I'm responsible to. I'm a bootleg preacher, okay? <laughs> right? I'm a bootleg preacher. You know what it. I mean? I hey, it. I go from one place and to the other. a darn good one. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. But here's, a, here's, here's the thing, and I know it's easier said than done. It is tempting to live life for other people. And as a leader, especially as a pastor, my younger brother's a pastor, my uncle's a pastor, I have so many pastor friends to limit what God wants to do because of the uncertainty mm. of how the congregation will respond. Right. So the temptation is the congregation then becomes God. You and then, preach it now. And then God has to take wow. a back seat. Wow. Because God is moving. I, I mean, I sure. S- God is moving through so pastors with so many different ideas. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay, well, I want to do this and this, yeah. this. And they're great ideas. But then it's like, well, what what, what are the church going to say? They won't like it. They're not going to yeah, like yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. can't do it? Yeah. So, all right, well, if I'm not going to be accepted, then I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Who are you? At the end of our lives, we yeah. got to answer to God. Not Yeah. He's not going to say, oh, well, because the, yep. the church. No, I want you to be obedient to me. So awesome. I would just challenge any minister, so good. any leader. Yeah to hear what God wants you to do yeah, and not put 
uh, restrictions on yourself and doing it. I love it so much. We're going to take a break right now. We're going to go to this month's top five. We're going to go to top five. And then we're coming right back here with Devon Franklin talking about time management right after this. But here's this month's top five. I love it. I say it there too is, much. No, there's so much truth. You are so articulate oh, and so you. brilliant and so oh, thought man. through, calculated. It's unbelievable. Oh, thank you. My and brother. it's such. I mean, most of these guys are, are 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 pastors, so they're they're thinking, you know, like in the context of the walls, teams, mm-hmm. you know, meeting. And so for you to come in and do that is just. <laughs> Amen. I hope that we don't limit people. Right. What you just said, I just. I thought of four guys right away that's like, th- th- this is the, always their reply. Uh, the church, they wouldn't, they'll never go for that. It's like, wait, what? You know what? God, God the people that are assigned to you going to go for it. Mm-hmm. They're going to be fine. There may be some that as you move with God, they're not moving with you. Okay, that's okay. And it's probably two or three people we're talking about. That's right. Not hundreds. And come on. You just got to say, okay, I'm, I'm, and here's the other thing. We walk by sight. Walk by faith, not by sight. Yeah. Walk yeah. by walk by faith, not by sight. So yeah. we're as hey, I think God's leading here. I gotta go find out. Yeah, we have to we, we have gotta to go, be true you gotta, to it. Yeah. yeah, you know, so I love it. I love it. I'm very, you know, for for my wife and I, we we feel very passionate. My wife was in real estate for um, I forget how many years, but she owned six houses herself before we got married. Wow. So she's brought out that side for me yeah. of entre- business and entrepreneurship. entrepreneurship. And if without her influence in my life, I don't know where I'd probably just be just, yeah, you know? Yeah. So she helped me see a bigger world. I love it. And, and I'm so grateful. We need people. Yeah. That, that can, and she's one of those people like yourself that could do both so well. And it's help people like myself to go, Grow. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Okay, this month's top five, talking about the kind of leader you want around you. The kind of leader you want around you. Now, it's so important that we all understand as leaders is that you don't necessarily have to have people around you that you don't want to have around you. You choose the kind of leaders that you want to have on your team. This is a great thought from David's mighty men. Second Samuel said that he had 30 guys that were his mighty men. And of the 30, there was three, three that were the close ones. And of course, you always have your one. So I'm going to give you five things. And when you're choosing the kind of leader that you want around you, what, what, what does that look like? Write down number one, everyone needs three and everyone needs one. In other words, you need at least three people around you that are your trusted. God always works in threes. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Peter, James, and John. There's something about having three around you. I know uh, we've talked about in culture top five or, you know, uh, T-Mobile used to have, you know, top eight or whatever. It, you got to have at least three. I'm not going to make you have eight or even 12 right now. Choose three people around you that can be counselors, that can be voices, that can be trusted people that you can bounce off information and have a voice into what you're building. And everyone needs one. Everybody needs that go-to, that one person. David had his three, but he also had a friend named Jonathan, someone that's close, someone that's the closest. Make sure you don't just have three, but you need one that you talk to the most. For a lot of people, this is your spouse. For me, this is my wife, Julia. You need one that this person's voice holds the most weight 
in your life. Number two, they're leaning into suggestions, not living off of commandments. So this is their this is their whole life. They want to lean in to what you have to say, and it's all lean in. It's not you have to tell them what to do all the time. It's my favorite story. David's sitting there and he's like, oh, that someone would go get with someone. If I just had a drink from these wells and he goes to sleep and of his three, of his three mighty men, they risk their life. They sneak down to this area. They get him the drink and they bring it back. Now, David was not being manipulative. He wasn't being passive aggressive. Oh, I just wish somebody would go get me a drink, what I wouldn't give for it. No, no, you just said it. And these guys went off suggestion, not off commandment. You have the wrong people around you if you have to spell it out and tell them exactly what to do. You have the right people around you if they go off of a suggestion, not a commandment. A suggestion really means they're leaning into your world, leaning into your words, and leaning into your culture. I know I've got the right people around me if I don't have to tell them what to do. If I have to always spell it out and micromanage, probably not the right people to have on the team. But if I just give a suggestion, then it's probably the right people that you want to have on your team. Write down number three. When our backs are against the wall, they step up and lead. I love this. Now, of David's mighty men, there's a guy named Benaniah, and it says, literally in scripture, it says this, it says that he was in a pit with a lion on a snowy day, and he won. Just get a visual, in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. In other words, the reason why he's one of the three is because if David knew if he ever got into a pit, there was ever a lion it happened to be a snowy day, he could count on this type of leader. Are you the type of leader that when our backs are against the wall, you're not bailing, you're actually a courageous leader. You actually step up, take charge. Usually what will happen is if you're in the back of the organization at like 30th, but we get into a pit with a lion on a snowy day, if you can step up and be courageous, all of a sudden that will elevate you from like 30th to third, because you have proven yourself your weight in gold. Make sure that you understand it's not the sunny days that count as leaders. It's when things get hard. It's when our backs are against the wall. It's when something's not growing. It's when everything's not so fun for a while. Those are the type of leaders I want around me that if adversity strikes, if this thing gets hard or heavy, I know I've got some people around me that are like, hey, just because we're in a pit, just because we are facing a lion, just because it started snowing doesn't mean we're bailing. Those are the kind of people I want around. Write down number four, our kind of guys. Love this thought. Remember, it says David's mighty men. These are David's. Leadership is about learning how to keep your hand open. No one is mine. In fact, the leader that holds on to people and things like this, they usually end up losing it. But you got to hold on to resources and people like this and understand no, no one's mine. And yet leadership is attention. So no one is mine. And yet this is who God has assigned. This is who's with me. So it says these are David's mighty men. These were his guys. And I think great leaders know how to choose our kind of guys. This is like culture, climate, chemistry, character, 
These are our kind of guys. One of my favorite coaches, I'll give you two of my favorite coaches, Coach K at Duke and Mark Few at Gonzaga. They only recruit our kind of guys. They're going to fit in our locker room. They're going to fit in our culture. Being a leader, so much of it is understanding this person could totally fit. It's going to be one of our kind of guys. And this person, I don't know if they can get a heart transplant and become one of us. I've got to learn. Is this going to be one of my mighty men? Or is this going to be someone that maybe is not best for our staff or for our team? Fill in the blank. But the kind of leader I want around me, it's like that's totally going to be one of our guys. Last thing, write down number five, pure intentions. This is so important for every leader. Now, again, I'm referencing David here. Watch what he says. Oh, I would give anything for a drink from that well. Again, it's not manipulative. It's not passive aggressive. He's not going like, I don't, I need guys to prove their loyalty to me. No, just out of loyalty, they go get him the drink. They bring it back. Watch what he does. He takes the drink and he pours it out And he goes, how dare I take this drink? In other words, David, his motives were pure, so pure that he saw it as an opportunity not to get a drink, but to prove his loyalty to them. Most leaders want loyalty. Few leaders give loyalty. Everybody wants to be honored, but David saw it as an opportunity to give honor. You got to know that if you want to have the right leaders around you, you got to have pure intentions, pure motives, always checking our motives to make sure I'm not here just for my gain, my success, my name. If you're that, you drink the water. If not, you pour it out and say, you know what? This is not about me right now. This is about us. And just the way that you've come to serve me, I want to serve you. I see this as an opportunity to prove my loyalty, not as an opportunity for me to flex and show how much power that I have. The kind of leaders that you want around you are the kind of leaders that have pure motives and that are so excited about being on the team. Top five. All right, we're coming back here. Uh, Leadership lean in with my... My new friend right here. This is too fun, man. Thank you so much for being on. I want to jump into time management. Yes. I think that's one of the most important things for any leader's life is how do you, um, I heard someone say your no is way more important than your yes. It's true. And uh, if your yes becomes too common, a lot of your value starts to diminish. So you would strike me as someone that is very good with time management. Mm-hmm. What, what, when I say that, what yeah. jumps out at you? When you start going, I manage my time and here's what I think about my schedule and mm-hmm. meetings. What, what, what would you say? Yeah, you know, um, I would say that, um, you know, one, it, the time management requires, you know, discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it also requires, you know, listening. Prior, like, cause it's like, not everything is priority. And so for me, you know, like just in terms of how I start the day, you know, most of the time I'm starting the day, you know, in prayer, mm. um, I read scripture, I will usually do some affirmations mm. and then I'll usually, you know, get up and, and go to the gym and then get to the office and, and, but every day is different. Cause I'll have some meetings on projects. Sure. I'll have, you know, interviews to do. But if you could choose your schedule, you would go, let's say devotion, scripture time, yes. God time. Yes. Gym, gym, and then we're ready to go, and then right into the right. So, into you the already office. did spiritual physical, yes, before you really oh, engage the world a doubt, because that that it clears my mind, wow, and it gets me uh focused, yeah, for the day. 
you know, I mean, there are some days where sure, sure, I mean, I'm sure. always doing the spiritual part, but there's some days I don't get a chance to go work out in the morning. Right. And I feel it. So mm. whenever I can do that, I do that. Um, but for me, time management is really about um, priorities. Mm. You know, it's really about priority placement mm. because sometimes we have a to-do list. And if we just go to the to-do list, we may do things that just aren't important, but we feel like, oh, I got it off my list. Well, that's something you could have done next month. Right. You know, let's prioritize. So for me, I really try to listen to God. Like, okay, mm. what are the priorities right now? And then when I boil that down, okay, just in a pragmatic sense, okay, what do I have to do right now to keep the lights on? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, this yeah. project keeps the lights on. Right. This book. Okay. So then it's like, got it. Right. So I just, I, I literally reorient my life wow. around the things that matter the That's most. That's so great. Period. And anything that doesn't matter, it doesn't mean I don't do it. I just don't rush to do it. Mm. And a lot of times people want my time. I'm like, yep. you know what? I'd love to give it to you. I can't meet until next month. Yeah. I'm sorry. Why? I cannot do it. Yep. You know why? Because God is telling me this is what I need to do to be obedient to him right now. Right. He, if, if I am designed to help you, either you'll wait a month or God's going to send somebody else mm. to help you. Yeah. Right. Cause, right. I, cause what happens is no, seriously, that's so good. Seriously. Cause, cause I can't, if take, I can't, God will send somebody. He will. Yeah, that's he great. Will. I can't bear the burden of like, Oh my goodness. If I don't help everybody. It's all wow. me. Well, no, God is God. I'm yeah, God. yeah. 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 So time management to me is mm. really about priority placement. Mm. And I do a good, I try to do a good job yeah. of, of that and maintaining a sense of what matters the most. Mm. And that really works for me. You know, it really works like, it's Oh, great. okay. This doesn't matter. Yeah. Not that this particular person doesn't matter. No, the person no, matters, course, but like of course. I, what they want for me, I don't need to do right now. Yeah. This project, you know, yeah. this project, I don't feel God's grace on this. Sure. So I'm going to continue to be in it, but I'm not going to be in it the way I feel God's grace on this project. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, it, it, at, the, at your level, and I think most, every leader, every opportunity is a good opportunity. Yes. And that's where it starts to get difficult. <laughs> yes. This is a good opportunity. Yes. And then what would be the next level? We could use the word great or God. Either one. Yep. But it really is discerning going like, no, this is good. I'm not yeah. saying it's not. Yeah. It's just probably not. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and so much of it, you know, and, and I'm getting better with it, you know, sure. over time, you know, like, okay, well, yeah, you say yes to everything. But the point you brought up even in the question is like, you know, when you say yes, man, it's like our yes is so important because every time we we say yes, we have to look at that as an energy allocation. Do I have the energy? It's almost like writing a check. Yeah. Great. If I'm writing this check. Do I know I, it's going to clear? When I say yes, do I actually have the energy mm. to cover this yes? And if I know I don't, I can't say yes to it. Wow. No matter, I mean, it may be someone in the family. I love you. Yeah. yeah. I can't, I don't have, I can't right, do it. Right. I can't do it. So, so much wow. of it, me learning over the process is like, okay, you know what? I've been saying yes too much. Mm. I've got to cut back. I've got to say no some more. Um, because no, it just helps clarify what, what I'm really supposed to be doing. Yep. You know, instead of saying yes to everything and being busy, you can be busy, but not productive. That's it. And so, uh, yeah, I was reading, a, um, I think it was a business insider, Warren Buffett. They were saying on his schedule. Like he'll do a couple meetings, whatever, but a lot of his days are just free. And they were asking the question, why? He said, because he likes to go think. He has time in his schedule so he can go think. 
He said, because that's how he makes money, when he's able to think. I said, my goodness. <laughs> right. I said, I got to try this. Right, right, right. My schedule is I'm just a little start too thinking full. for a change. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, wow. But uh, it's just important to, you know, and also not beat yeah. yourself up. I mean, with time management, you know, we all, you know, say, we oh, all. I wish I could have done this, didn't do it. Yeah, you know, yeah, all right. Yeah. You know, give yourself grace. Uh, but I very rarely conclude, man, I wish I was out doing more. Right. It was I, almost I, like, I wish I was doing less. That's it. You, you, how do you get good at time management? It's never like, golly, I need no. like three more meetings in my week. It's never that. It's never that. It's always, I've got too much on here. Yep. I've and I've and now I'm writing checks. That I cannot cash. I can't. You know, and if I do, then I'm going into my reserves. Yeah, that's it. I'm cutting into my savings. And as soon as I start doing that, if I'm in my reserves, all Man. of a sudden, it's it's not only that I get affected, everyone in my world. Absolutely, because you're, you know, you're, especially as a leader, you're, yeah. you're you, they're getting the leftovers. That's it. You know, they're getting like you know, not fully engaged, almost burnt out, right? Not really clear of thought. You know, sometimes irritable. Yeah. You know, in in that and that's comes from you know not taking the time to say, wait, I got to say no to some of this yeah. stuff. I got to pull back. So I can stay refreshed and restored. And the fact that you've had as a discipline, a Sabbath. Yeah, that helps a lot, man. Oh, man. A lot. I that mean, is so, huge. Dude, and that and that organically, yeah. I had no idea. Because growing up, the Sabbath was, uh, you know, a spiritual or religious practice. Right. It, it wasn't to me a health practice. Right. Until I got, you know, into the industry and I said, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. So from Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. I turn off my emails. Wow. Uh, I do very little text messages. I don't uh, check anything that's just going on the, in the world. Just that alone. I don't check social media for 24 hours. And it allows me to plug in to God, plug in to my family, yeah. hang out, go to church. It just allows me a day to refresh. That's unbelievable. Where I'm not just 24-7. Most it. leaders do not have a Sabbath day. And if we want to talk about Hollywood commandments, or let's just go holy commandments, <laughs> I, I've, I've always looked at the 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 Sabbath is so interesting. It's the only one that most leaders would go. I think he was suggesting that one. <laughs> Murder for sure is a commandment. For sure, but for sure. remember the Sabbath day to keep I it think holy. It's a I... but he knows I'm working for him, right? <laughs> It's like, it's like, no, you're going to get to a place. I watched them all. I'm a pastor's kid. My dad's a pastor. I'm growing up, you know, around my dad talking about serotonin level and testosterone and your adrenal gland and blah, blah, blah. Why? Because so many people burn out. Yes. And most, most leaders are the starving baker. Most leaders are working 24-7. Most leaders are justifying it because... It's the work of the Lord. It's the work of... Okay, so you're so big, God can't step in for a day? I mean, that, that's just bad leadership. I, you know, and what's amazing to me, you know, relative to that, I mean, go back to Genesis. Yeah. God rested. Now, <laughs> it, it's like, okay, wait, right. if, God is, if God is putting in place right. the, the need for rest, right? and then Jesus, when he walks the earth. He's doing it. It's, it's like, l listen, I know there's, you know, yeah. so much debate about, oh, Sabbath, Sunday, whatever. Okay, we're going to put that to the side. Yeah. We're not even touch that because it's a long conversation. However... The value, yeah. Just start to just choose of, a day of rest, right? Is critical. Yeah, it's huge. It is critical. Yeah. and to the point you're bringing up, I think that when we don't do yeah. it, 
I don't think we ever get fully, we fully can manage our time. Right. Because we're, we, we weren't, we weren't built to run 24 seven. No, it's not because you get unhealthy. And I want to talk about that. Yeah. yeah, You're, yeah. you're, you, you strike me as someone that's into health. You're yes. working out. I see working out. Yeah. And you know, the vow, when, when you're doing, when you're putting out as much as you're giving. Yes. How do you, I don't like the word balance as much. Me you know, sometimes people are, will, will ask leaders, how do you stay balanced? I don't know a lot of balanced leaders, mm-hmm. but I look at leaders like yourself that are healthy. And I go, how do you, how did you crack that code? Yeah. Like, how did you find a recipe for health? Yeah. You know, because uh, in my early twenties, um, you know, I was not taking care of myself mm. and, you know, and had a really, um, you know, bad health situation and had to have surgery and all this, you know? And so coming out of that, I was like, and then also my father dying at 36. And I was like, man, you know, I better, I better get it together. Sure. And so that just began a process for me to mm. include like, okay, I've got to work out. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, even in, in one of the things that helps me tremendously is that and I've developed this over years, mm. but I got to the point now where I travel with a whole suitcase. If I like, so I've been on the road promoting the book and, yeah. and my movie breakthrough. And, um, and I have a whole suitcase with my supplements. I travel with my protein so that even if I'm at home go. or on the road, I start the day the same way. So what happens is my body is like, oh, okay, we're, we're good. We're good. Like there's a level set. We know how the day starts. So no matter what I'm hitting during the day, I yeah. have a foundation of health that helps me, you know, be successful. And then Jeez. also, you know, I've just seen so many people yeah. of faith. <sighs> right. The body is the temple of the living God. Right, right. And, and, but I just see so many people of, of faith growing. I mean, you know, again, I'm, I grew up in the church. Every, sure. I mean, every, I mean, I love the church. You're around it. I'm around it. But, but sometimes when it comes to the temple, it's like, oh, well, you know, we'll just, we'll just, you know, pray the calories. That one, that one doesn't matter okay. as much. But it's like, no, no, no. The t- how can the spirit be strong if the temple's crumbling? Wow. You know, wow. and, uh, you know, and that's one of my, the, I'm, I have a whole nother book that I'll be working on relative to that. Great. But for me, fitness is a lifestyle. Yeah. And so, you know, I box, I do rumble boxing, you know, right Let's here. Go, rumble. rumble. Come on, man. Let's go, Andy. Come that's on. my guy. Is that right? I love Andy oh, so dude, much. man. I mean, dope, man. I mean, I literally, I, was, I go to rumble, man. Yeah. Multiple times a week. Rumble's I, awesome. I do Matrix with Don Matrix right here on Fair, Fairfax and Melrose. Yeah. Shout um, out to Prevail Boxing as well. Shout out to Milan. That's oh, my okay. guy down at Prevail, Third oh, okay. Street. Shout out to, shout out to Milan. <laughs> I'll shout out Andy. Rumble. My loyalties to Milan. Anyways, keep it. going. I love it. Um, and so I think it's just important when it comes to health is to incorporate it, you know, and that's what I do. I mean, I, I'll go sometimes, you know, in the morning I'll go sometimes if I feel like it, I'll go later in the day. Yeah. Um, you know, I just incorporate it. I just make it a part of the lifestyle. Cause then also here's the other thing I want to look like what I talk about. Mm. I, before I open Uh, my mouth, I walk into a room. Wow. I want someone to say, He's serious. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> You're working from an advantage. Absolutely. You absolutely are. Absolutely. I can't yeah. sit up here and talk about the value of God yeah. and the value of faith and living a great lifestyle if I personally, like I personally want to be the billboard. Wow. So when someone's taught, seeing, they kind of like, oh man, okay. And, and, wow. and the crazy, you know, you're working from an advantage. Yes. Man, and dude, I, it's crazy. I mean, I would have never thought. Yeah, you know, truthfully, that that having that mindset, the impact that it has on other people, you know, because, you know, I walk into situations, people are like, oh, man, are you 
are you are you gonna be acting in this? I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the producer. That is so awesome. <laughs> but but it's important because yeah. you know I think when we are healthy, yeah, you know when our body feels good, it helps us to feel good. It's amazing. It really really does. So awesome. Well, we we're out of time for today, but I want to say thank you. Thank you for thank the, you the, the the you know we talked about these three, but bigger than that, the life that you're living oh, you. and the time management and the health that you're putting into yourself. So yeah. you could give something to this world. We are better because of you. Oh, the man. church is better. The world is better. Thank this you. city is better. And I believe every leader that listened to you today is better. So thank you so much. Oh, my brother. Come Anytime. on, man. Just the thank beginning. Yeah. Leadership Leaning. We'll be back next time. <laughs>